Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and of course, for salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past, but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our Sales Leaders Talk Sales segment, always a lot of S's every time, and we talk to experts about growth and what they've learned about sales, marketing, building relationships, and just surviving in this economy. This is Rebecca Toomey, and today I'm talking to Jane Leno. She is the owner of Digby4 and has spent most of her life helping organizations with the challenge of managing communications technology. From her days of explaining bills and processing orders for Bell System to the present where she and her firm assists large global clients, Jane and her colleagues at Digby4 Group help manage expenses, contracts, inventories, and service providers for mobile, fixed, and cloud-based communications. In addition to consulting services, Digby4 supports a hosted system called SACON in which all details needed for effective communications management are kept up to date and accurate. Digby4's offices are located in the heart of New York City. In fact, Jane and I actually work in the same building on the same floor in Manhattan. And Jane and her staff enjoy long-term relationships with many of their clients. Her roles include managing the company, delivering client services, and developing new business. Jane, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. I'm happy to be here and uh, looking forward to it. I also did not ask you ahead of time because this is the first time I've ever said your last name out loud, if I pronounced your last name correctly. Perfectly correct. Okay, Leno. good. Although if you go to Italy, they say Laino, ah. it means, means wool in Italian. No but, way. But the uh, current version, American version is Laino. <laughs> That's correct. Are you Italian? Is, that, is your name Italian? Uh the name is Italian. I'm not. But I was always very attracted to Italian men, oh. and I married one. Oh, oh well, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes absolute sense. Right. Actually, I like their mother's cooking, but that, that was the real true reason. Right. All for the, the spaghetti. Secret. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Jane, I'm so excited to learn more from you today about planning and staying organized and building great relationships. So let's just go ahead and get started. Can you share a little bit with our audience about your career and how it's progressed? Yes. Well, uh, as you said in the introduction, I started with the Bell System, specifically New York Telephone. And the way I got that job many decades ago is uh, was through a blind ad in the New York Times uh, wow. way before the internet. And uh, I responded to the ad. I took all sorts of tests. And at the end, they said, you have a job. And I was like, well, with whom? <laughs> and it turned out to be New York Telephone, who's a predecessor of what's currently Verizon. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So I worked for them. I worked for uh, Southwestern Bell in, in the Midwest, where my husband was transferred at the time. And then when I came back to New York, I went to work for a small consulting firm for a couple of years. And those were the early days when it was very radical to even buy your own telephone system. Hard to believe really? now, but at that time, everyone rented their 
all their business and personal telephone equipment from um, the local New York telephone. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so that was a break away from the monolithic bell system. Okay. And uh, I worked for a small firm and uh, they closed up a couple of years later. Nothing to do with my performance, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was tuned into the idea of a small business and what it took to run it. And so uh, I started my own company, which is uh, Dig Before Group. And awesome. um, we've been going ever since. So that was ni- 1979. 1979 you yes, started Dig Yes, I did. Oh yes. my gosh. I didn't realize how long ago. Yes, wow. Yeah. Well, Amazing. my fear is it Good takes a, really a lifetime to get it right, and uh, yeah. our company has evolved uh, over the years. And uh, but it's actually it's been pretty successful. I should have known because one of the questions I have set up for you is based on a fact that I do know about your business. So I should have known that you've been in business that long because of. Well, we'll get to it. Okay, but you have absolutely watched technology change and progress so much over. I, you've you've watched telephones go from dramatically. From here, I mean, how has that been? That must be insane. Well, it, it's it's very hard to keep up, and uh, <laughs> actually, we uh, we but we observe technology as it changes. But mm. the the strength of our business is that we're not we're we're not advising our clients about what technologies they should be using. Okay, uh, but rather we're helping them to manage whatever technology they happen to be using. Beautiful. So they're managing. We're managing their expenses. We're managing their contracts, which are very complex. We're managing their inventories for mobile, fixed, and now what's called cloud-based communications. Mm-hmm. So uh, having evolved to that, and that wasn't the way we started actually, but I would say we've been focused on that management aspect for about 15 years. Um, and like I said, we have the hosted system, SACON, that really helps big organizations to manage. I mean, if you could imagine having thousands of mobile phones to keep track of, you know, yeah. those types of things. So um, That's fantastic. You yeah. guys are agile. You're adapting to we're, the new markets and right. doing yeah. what you got to do. You have to be willing to change. Yes. I have many colleagues that have given up, <laughs> retired, uh, or really? uh, just gone out of business or into a different business. Because uh, e- even if you keep up on technology, you can't be an expert in everything. But there are some commonalities among, like I said, what you have to manage. You always get, you always have expense, you always have agreements with your service providers, and you always mm-hmm. have some type of inventory, whether it's mobile mm-hmm. or fixed line or yeah. like that. So Awesome. Well, that's so, awesome. As your career has grown and developed, what are really some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Lessons. Okay. <laughs> I wrote this down, so I'm just kind of checking my <laughs> notes here. Well, I think I used to think you could be really good at everything. Okay. And so that's one thing I've learned is you really can't. Mm. And if you're fortunate enough to have had someone point out to you what you're really good at, then you can kind of go with that and fill in. So um, wise. The, the other big thing that's sort of a corollary of that is – I used to think that because things came pretty easily to me, um, like, say, running a client meeting or something Mm -hmm. like that, or taking notes and (laughs) figuring something out, that everyone would be good at it. Mm -hmm. And so I would hire people and it's, oh, well, now I have more business. I'm sure they can do this, too. But alas, (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) So um, so I'd say that's a a pretty big lesson is, and I know you have some thoughts about that coming up, but to, to know what you're good at. And which is sometimes very hard, mm-hmm. especially if you're kind of a flexible type that you, know, you might think you can do it all, but uh, yeah. you really can't. And, uh, and, and don't think that other people can do what 
you do well because yeah. they may not be. But on the other hand, figure out if they have any strengths. And if they do, then uh, go with that. Absolutely. I was actually just talking to a colleague the other day about the first thing you mentioned about you can't be good at everything. And we were talking about how he's tried a bunch of different things in his business. And he realized that the fix, the win, was just to focus on doing one thing. I love that. And he, yes. you know, he's trying all these different markets and all these different people. And he's like, if I, ho- I've noticed that when I hyper-focus on this one particular industry, this one type of person, things go smoothly. I'm making more money. I'm, you know, helping more people. And I, so I totally agree with you on this idea of hyper-focusing on, on one area. And you, you can, can get so much better at it than if you're just doing Okay, in a lot of different sure. areas. So that, that is very good uh, advice as well. I would <laughs> concur. Now, what do you think it takes to be successful? Well, certainly tenacity would be the first <laughs> thing that comes to mind. You okay. know, throughout your career, there are always going to be highs and lows, particularly if you're running your own organization, but I guess in, in any organization. Um, so uh, just when things aren't going smoothly to not give up and uh, to stay with it. I have a, a quote printed in my office that I keep in front of me that some people think is very silly, but it says, <laughs> it doesn't matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop. Ah. And I kind of like that. Again, that might yeah. not be for, it might drive some other people crazy. But <laughs> no, I tend to um, not be like, I mean, we deliver and we can turn things around. But on the other hand, if something requires some detail, uh, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most worthwhile things do take time. So I try to think as long as I'm moving forward and edging it forward, um, and not not stopping and giving up that um, yeah. that works for me. And actually, we find I find our most of our clients now, all of them actually have so much more than they can possibly do. And if they can mm-hmm. have an appreciation for the fact that you're moving things forward um, for on their behalf, mm-hmm. they like that. And it, yeah, they don't really need you to always go at top speed either, because they they've probably learned the same thing that sure. when you're speeding forward, sometimes the balls start bouncing. Yeah, exactly. It goes back to that focusing on one thing or taking all of your tasks and what's the most important, what can we shrink down? It allows you to really keep that momentum going on what's important. Exactly. I love it. Well said. (laughs) Now, how do you feel about the word sales? What's your perspective on sales? Well, I know I've already told you uh, sort of <laughs> offline that I don't like the word sales, yeah. um, but particularly because of the, the connotation it has to people. And the minute someone thinks that you're trying to sell them something, that, that sort of creates a little bit of a barrier, like you're over here and they're over there and kind of maybe maybe not a victim, but vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think people just don't like that if it's very obvious. Of course, on the other hand, I think I've succeeded at selling incremental business to existing clients once they've gotten comfortable with with our services, mm-hmm. just by being by sounds corny, but just listening to them and they will tell you what they need to buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many, almost every client interaction that I have, I'm offering something. Would you like me to do this for you? Want me to call that person? Should we send compose an email that you could send or just mm-hmm. any kind of thing that makes their life easier. So um, so again, to answer your question, I'm not crazy about the world, word sales. I used to have a client and when I would be having a meeting with him, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but he, if, if I would start to mention some of our other services, he would, he would look at his watch and he would say, I hope you're not charging me for this time when you're trying to sell me something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was kind of not really 
friendly of him, but um, oh, that's so but, funny. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, in his mind, it was a, a real distinction. But but in truth, all all of your interactions, and I I tell this to my colleagues at Dig before every every interaction you have is is selling, especially services like ours. It's not like we're selling a product; we're selling a service. So mm-hmm. every interaction you have with a client, whether it's it's a, a conversation, a meeting, um, a, an email, and, or invoices. We, mm-hmm. We're very particular about our invoices, too. We're always kind of making sure that it's clear what we did for the money that we're charging. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. Yeah, that's all, to me, part of making a good impression and being helpful to the clients. And so I, I'd like to think of that better than sales, even though, like I said, we're, we're always trying to either hold on to existing clients or develop new ones. So Yeah, I find that so interesting about your business. I don't think that you have anyone in your organization that has the title salesperson, right? Because everyone is building relationships. Everyone is technically selling, if we're going to use that word. But it seems to be more about building that relationship. Yes. I've actually experimented with that over the years. I've okay. having a salesperson or having someone Business making calls or... to set up appointments. Mm-hmm. And it quickly became overwhelming that to have mm-hmm. so many opportunities. You know, one of the things, because we, we are a small organization, but yet we have a, a partnership delivering our hosted services where we have over 400 people accessible to us. So we're able to leverage our, our business pretty well. But um Say your question again. I lost my train <laughs> no, of thought. it was just. I don't think you have. Oh, no one has the roles. Person, the, right, there's right. no salesperson. Yeah, everyone's no. everyone's selling. Right, but anyway, <laughs> that my point was. I have tried that in the past, mm-hmm. and um, it, it became too much. Yeah. Now we what, what, where I was going is that we try to we don't try to be everything to everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, we try to have a select group of clients and uh, long term relationships with them, and uh, we do our best to deliver what they want us to do and and to uh, create uh, incremental business with mm-hmm. with them and um, like that so it's awesome. much better to add business with existing clients than be running around beating the bushes for new ones so absolutely that's my view and anyway. we're definitely going to be talking about that coming up here okay i'm going to take a moment here to to give a shout out actually to one of your employees or one of your coworkers or colleagues i'm not sure the right word oh they're all good work good work they're all amazing but i want to give a shout out to tony because I know Tony is going to be listening to this podcast. So hi, Tony. <laughs> Hello, Tony. <laughs> He's awesome. And uh, he and I talk quite a bit. Actually, I've probably mentioned Tony on this podcast before. I think I did. I think I shared a story about one time where he saved me when I was trying to get to work. But he lives in Stanford on the same street as, as I do in Connecticut. And we work on the same floor in Manhattan. Couldn't be a, a smaller world for the two of us. But he's a great guy. And he adores you respects you and has so many wonderful things to say about you, Jane. And he actually helps to coordinate this. So I'm so, I'm so happy for Tony and I'm happy for, to have you. Well, thank you. And that, <laughs> that is true. Tony's a, a valued colleague of ours and has been, he, he also started out, he had, he had a software business that was on the top two floors of this building that's where right. we're talking. And yeah. uh, so that's how we got to know him. And that's uh, right. Cause you've been in this building for a while too, on different floors. Uh, I have been, I've been here for uh, like 35 years. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So he's been a real asset to our business. And so when we get to talking about some of the planning, he's, been instrumental in, in helping with that as well That's as um, helping to get better financial reporting and helping to develop business as well. So great. yes, what an all around guy. 
<laughs> there you go, Tony. You okay. just got your shout out. <laughs> now, this month we're focusing on self-awareness and how it can help professionals in both their personal and their business and professional lives. Do you have any tips for our listeners on how they might practice more self-awareness? Interesting that you should ask that. I actually Googled self-awareness because it's it's actually something that I don't really think about very much. Okay. Um, and uh, But it, it, it is exactly that. It's a knowing what your strengths and weaknesses, like mm-hmm. I said earlier. So um, I, I think self-awareness is very difficult to... Um, to have without some input from others. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you yes. Can, I mean, because of course we can assess what we think we are, how we think we are, but it takes someone from the outside to say, eh, no, actually you are very critical or you come off this way or, you know, what we perceive about ourselves. So you're absolutely right that it's important to have the, that outside feedback when we're working. Right. And it's not always easy to have someone that has good observational skills about mm-hmm. what you're good at and what you're not. You know, if, if your employees aren't going to be that candid with you and, and you know, maybe your your loved ones might not be either for fear of <laughs> <laughs> ruining your ego or something. So it's I, I think self-awareness is a, a good concept to know what you're good at if that's if that's how we're going to uh, define it. But um, but the other thing I was thinking about is I'm really on the day to day basis not I'm not always thinking about myself. I'm very seldom thinking about myself or I'm not one of those people that if someone said something I feel dissed or or you okay. know I, and I, I think that's a good thing. I'm, I really am whether I'm just saying hi to somebody in in the elevator, which often catches them off guard, but I do, <laughs> or 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 at work or you know I don't I don't dwell on myself, and I I, I think that's a that is a good thing because that's I know good. other people that yeah. do, and they're always worried. They're thinking that. They are always thinking about something that happened mm. that it bothers them or something that's coming up that they're worried about. I try and uh, it sounds a little bit of a cliche, but I really do try to stay in the moment and who I'm with. And uh, That's great. That's, I, uh, what I hear you good. saying is don't live inside your head trash. A lot of us have that head trash after we say something wrong or you know, we feel like, oh, I should have done it this way. We live in it and we keep replaying it. Oh, I should. Why didn't they say this or why, 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 why? And instead, just right. move on. Yeah, I'm pretty easy on myself, actually. So Great, that's a good good thing. And that's again, very good. it's not always easy to to um, to get that going, <laughs> but for whatever reason, that's the way I am. So cool. Now, Jane, I want to get into something else because you're a master planner and a master of relationship building. So. I know you and your team over at Dig Before have some great methods for preparing for New Year and planning throughout the year. Can you share more about this? Well, um, two th- it's two separate things, really, planning and relationship building. Oh, so yeah. We'll get to relationships about- next. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so planning, um, and I will say... I certainly didn't always consider myself good at planning. (laughs) And I do tend to be a bit of a spontaneous person. So sometimes you don't plan that much. Like I was reading the other day that you have, if you're giving a speech, you have to like rehearse it 20 times or something. Uh I've never done anything. (laughs) So I don't know that I'm the the queen of of planning. But yeah, we we have put something in place that we've had for about 20 years in in Dig Before. And then we have an annual planning meeting. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get all of our staff together. We go off site. We don't stay in the office so that we're not um, interrupted. And we have an agenda. But And basically the agenda is um, to talk about, because we've set some goals from the preceding year. So we have financial and non-financial goals. And uh, of course, being 
normal. We don't meet either one of them, <laughs> but we often come close and okay. we get to talk about, and sometimes you make a goal and then all of a sudden something else is more important. I'm not, I'm talking about the non-financial goals now. So, you know, you're always kind of reprioritizing as the year goes by. But um, so we, we do that. We talk, and then we um, talk about some particular issues, client issues. We go through who our clients are. We talk about what we build certain clients and the relative um, importance to our income, I guess you would say, which mm-hmm. is not to say all of our clients aren't equally important, but you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just knowing where the where the money and where the business is coming from. Um, and uh, one then we have lunch <laughs> in the afternoon. We um, go through uh, and this, as I understand it, this was a, a Tony contribution from um, his days at IBM, okay. and we talk about opportunities and threats to the business. Well, for, first we talk about ah, strengths and weaknesses. Yes, so let SWAT, me start SWAT there. analysis. So, yes, SWAT, that's yes. right. <laughs> so strengths and weaknesses, we, we talk about our strengths. And it's not, again, just like not being able to see your own self the way you really are. Sometimes if you have a business, it's hard to, hard to really face up to what, what your weaknesses are sure. or, or to identify your strengths. But yeah. we uh, we do our best to, to do that. And we we list them. We actually tape up, uh, use the old-fashioned methodology of, of a flip chart, and we write on these big pieces of paper, and then we tear them off the pad and tape them to the wall. Of course, you can do it, you could do it like on a whiteboard. Like that. But <laughs> sure. the, same, yeah. the concept is the same. We yep. put it in front of everybody. So we see our strengths, and we prioritize them, and we talk about our weaknesses, um, if we want to look back, we see how that compares to last year and if we have the same things on the list, which we often do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also talk about the opportunities um, and threats to the business mm-hmm. and what where our opportunities are for, for new business. Uh, often, because as you pointed out, we're in a evolving uh, business of helping people manage all sorts of new technologies. Mm-hmm. So now, as for an example, an opportunity would be, well, now people are buying services out in the cloud. And so those are bills and contracts and things that people didn't have to worry about yeah, before. So, definitely. Uh, and then threats. Uh, we talk about that too. We, uh, I will say we don't really... We're in a bit of a niche, so we don't view ourselves as having a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not necessarily a, a threat. Um, sure. You know, and things that we used to put on the threat list are not on there anymore. Okay. Like uh, sometimes people would say, well, we don't need your services to manage this because we take care of it all in-house. And, you know, that was a stumbling block for, for a lot of years. But now it's not at all because... Most people don't aren't, aren't even interested in getting jobs doing what we do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. It's kind of, it's kind of labor intensive, sure, uh, very yeah. specific knowledge that's hard to find, and and uh, so uh, so that that so that's not a threat anymore. Okay. So, but, okay. but we 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 always manage to come up with some new things, and then we um, we look at our, what we I hate this term actually mission statement. It seems kind of a cliche, but anyway, <laughs> we look at our mission statement and we say. Our, our mission is that we help our clients to manage communications technology. And, uh, of course, if you, once you say that, people will say, well, what, it, what do you mean by communications technology? But then like, we usually follow on by saying we help you manage your expenses, your contracts, your inventories, and bills that you get from companies like Verizon and AT&T and Sprint and T-Mobile, et cetera, and Global, actually. So then people start nodding their heads. But, sure. but anyway, yeah. my point is, we review our mission statement from last year and we um, come up with either changing or saying it's still the same. And it's sure. interesting how it has evolved. 
over the, the oh years. certainly I think so. sometimes too it's good to be simple with your mission statement mm-hmm. and it doesn't always have to make it doesn't always have to be completely clear because the thing that's good about it is if someone says oh what does that mean you've just right. opened up a conversation right and it's exactly. awesome exactly. we actually just did this this year Jane I don't know if I shared this with you that we did a mission statement review and we had a meeting about it and we revised our mission statement and our mission statement is now enabling buying in a world of selling. And oh, it's the same nice. kind of thing that people go, well, wait, what does that mean? Enabling buying. And it gives us an opportunity to say that so many sales organizations are focused on the sell, on how to sell, and no one's focusing on, well, how do we help people to buy? Right. How do we enable buying in a positive way? And you know, take the focus away from the sales. So I think that's a great exercise to do at the end of the year is review your mission statement. Do you need to edit it? Do you need to change it? And how can you make it short and clear, but also engaging with people? Right. So anyway, I've sort of, um, hopefully in a not too long winded way, uh, summarized <laughs> our, our annual planning it's great. meetings. And I, I love your meeting. At the end of it, uh, well, first of all, at the very end of it, of course, we open a bottle of wine and, and toast to Beautiful. the next year. Beautiful. And usually have dinner. But wow, um, it sounds like you guys have a lot of food and drinks at, at this meeting. I want to come well, to your that's next one. one of our specialties, <laughs> <laughs> having fun. Um, but but we, we also, also the next few days, I type up the notes, one of, one of my strengths I'm good at, and uh, hand them out to everyone. And try my best to uh, not just stick it in a file, but rather to keep the thoughts alive during the year. And we're trying, we don't always succeed, but to have quarterly kind of check-ins to yes. say, especially with the financial side of the businesses, yes. are we are we meeting our goals? But but other things too, like this year we put in a new time tracking system called T-Sheets. Okay. And I feel so good that we made it happen on time because that awesome. was one of our goals. Great. But, and, and, you know, Great. another few goals are kind of flapping around still, but I, I, just the fact that you, you wrote it down, you said you were going to do it is very, very effective. So I, I think that is, uh, that's probably what I want to say about planning of a type. Okay. Um, another thing I do that's more on a personal level is I'm, I'm always um, writing down what I'm going to do the next day mm-hmm. and it, it keeps changing. So even sometimes during the day I say, okay, now it's 10 o'clock. What are the hot things now? Mm-hmm. And then I might make another list at three o'clock. And I don't know if that would work for everyone, but it, it tends to keep you focused even in the shorter term on, mm-hmm. on what the important things are, because Absolutely. as you pointed out, I think earlier, it, they keep changing. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Know? All the time. You yeah. have to be very flexible in, right, with right, the way things are right. today. And you keep the clients, you have to keep the current clients happy and, and take new opportunities and keep the That's business right. running. And right. uh, you know, it's always a little bit of forward motion. Speaking of clients, Relationship building is something that's obviously so important, and I know it's the cornerstone of your business, and you are amazing at this. Retaining clients is one of the most difficult things for some people, and you have clients that have been with you for over 35 years. How do you do it? Give us your secret sauce. That is true. (laughs) Well, it's not really a sauce, but... um, I'd, I'd say again, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but in a way, I guess I am, is that I, I've, I've personally maintained m- many, if not all of the relationships, uh, you know, and there are some exceptions. So, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think it's staying relevant in terms of the services that you provide, um, because no matter how much someone likes you, 
Um, I, I remember years and years ago, this is when I first started a business. I, I, I remember the guy's name, Erwin Pryfer. I think he's gone now, <laughs> but literally. But he said, uh, he said to someone, he said, I'm not really sure exactly what Jane does, but it sure is nice to have her around. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I thought that was kind, kind of funny, but that, that stayed with me. And I think, um, I, I guess where I'm maybe going with this train of thought is that the clients want you to deliver the services that you've said you're going to and maybe new services that you come up with. But they also want it to be, if not totally fun, at least pleasant mm-hmm. interactions. And I, yeah. I, I really strive for that. I, I think I'm, I tend to be borderline Pollyanna of, of everything's <laughs> great anyway. But I, I think that, uh, you know, people come to work every day. Everyone's Mostly everyone is working hard and facing challenges and trying to look good in their business. And uh, so we try to make all of their interactions with us easy, pleasant. If something difficult comes up, and it always does, we try to handle it in a very professional way, but also with a little bit of sense of humor and a little bit of, you know, well, you know, nothing's ever perfect type mm-hmm. of attitude. And mm-hmm. I, I think that people appreciate that. You know, we never, we never promise that we are every the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, we deliver services. They're very, very good. There's always room for improvement. And we always joke around of why we've been in business for so long is we're staying with it until we get it right. But, uh, you know, I think people see that, that you're, you care and you, also that you care about them. Um, now, there are a lot of very schmaltzy relationship building things like, you know, admiring family photos in someone's office or something like that, but in, in a superficial way. And, you know, we try to, instead of that, to really care about our clients in a, in a human way. Yeah. I'm not saying we hang out with them. You know, we might take them to dinner, or play golf or something periodically, but that's not really the basis of it. You know, the when we started out, the, the free martini lunch was still in fashion, but those days are <laughs> way gone. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think our clients that are know that we value them as people, and we really do, and that we're trying our best to – do what we said we would do, and to uh, to make them look good as well. We're we're very conscious of that. It's as important, you know. If we look good, but they look bad, well, what good is that? So sure. And and the people that we interact with are in varying places on the hierarchy. You know, some might be a company president, but we have pretty large clients, so it's usually not that person. You know, mm-hmm. they might be aware of us or the CEO, CFO tunes in to what we do because we're saving them a lot of money usually. Um, and, uh, but some of the people that we're, we're in the day-to-day interaction with are more in the trenches and uh, we, uh, we get to know them and uh, they appreciate that we understand that they're trying to do a good job too. And that we're part of uh, what helps them to do that. So I, I guess that would kind of sum up my thought <laughs> of relationships. I, I do get to know, a little bit about the people like so you can say like at the end of a meeting maybe say how's everybody at home or kids or if something sure, yeah. big's happening like if they were having illness or something of course it's important to tune into that because that can affect things too yeah. so um but to, but to not be pals with them i mean i learned that early on you know you don't want to people that would say they're big good buddies with their biggest client that's that's never really a good thing oh really <laughs> really why is that well, because friendship is a little bit has a, sort of a, a different nuance to it, and if you're really friends with someone, uh, then you might not view them as as much in the in the client 
and service provider way. Okay, so, so that you have a my, little bit of a balance there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying they're not, we don't care about them, they're not friends, but they're not typically like close the people that yeah, we're going we're to hang out with. Okay, so, um, Okay. unless like you that. find the right fit, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. <laughs> well, again, and I feel very close to all, I mean, I would call up any of our clients and, and talk to them and all of that, mm-hmm. but it's just that I think um, being too friendly with people, I've seen that backfire over the years so mm-hmm. i don't think it's it's good practice plus say a client does need to get rid of you for some reason um you know if you're friends well there goes the friendship <laughs> <laughs> sure that's true so, it can make it a little uh, bit more difficult yeah, yeah so um so i i guess that's it we we have lots of excellent long-term relationships with others in our business or related businesses and i think that's been a great thing and, mm-hmm. and that, that's a different thing so those people you can be friends with you can go ha- you know have a cocktail with them at a trade show or or go out to dinner and mm-hmm. kind of trade stories but uh, so okay stories anyway, speaking of storytelling story I wanted to talk uh-oh. to you about this <laughs> because you and I talked about it recently so I wanted to really pull that into the conversation okay so thanks for saying the word story because you just queued it up in my mind here okay <laughs> um, Jane why do you think that storytelling is so important in business? Well, I'm having to think about this a little bit, and I did think about it before. I, I, I will say I personally do not consider myself a good storyteller okay. because I go off on too many tangents. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like one thing always makes me think of something else. It's like I'm not a really good joke teller unless it's like a really, you know, very short. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, um, I do think that I use examples of things. And, I, and again, in, in conversation with clients, I make reference to some something we did for another client and explain the outcome with and without saying who it was for. Sure. So yeah. I think, I, I think I, I give a lot of examples. Now people do love stories as long as they're not too long, you know, sure. that could go a little sure. bit. So, you know, it's, Oh, please not another story. But um, I think to, to tell anecdotes that illustrate things um, is, is good in personal and, and certainly in business, because sometimes people, especially in, communications technology field. I mean, wow. Sometimes we say communications technology infrastructure, you know, that really <laughs> bowls them over. But, but well, what does it all mean? And so then you have to, because mm-hmm. people do ask me, well, what, what do you really do? You know, even people that know me well say, well, what, what really is it actually? And, uh, you know, so we do talk about what we do. Like we, we download your communications bills into our systems on a monthly basis and we make sure that they're accurate and if we find billing errors we'll call up uh, i don't want to pick on verizon but (laughs) (laughs) someone like verizon to Mm -hmm. get things corrected so we we take in all your contracts and we we remind you when the contract's coming up for expiration and we help you with the renegotiation we we keep all your records managed and that's really a key thing that we do people like what what do I care how many mobile phones I have or devices or what do I care what I'm paying Verizon or, or AT&T or any of the other service providers? And it, a lot of it comes down to money. And mm-hmm. then that tends to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. It's not like everything, every service we provide is a cost saving service, but a lot of it is. We keep track for our clients of how much they tra- paid us and how much we've saved them. So, um, you know, so in, I, I guess in a way, I'm not sure if that's exactly storytelling, but we, we try to give examples um, of other projects and other, a lot of our services tend to be ongoing. They're not really projects, but we, we, we do talk about what, 
what we do and what we've done for others. So I guess Great. in that sense, um, you know, I don't know if I quite addressed the storytelling <laughs> concept. Yeah, but, no, uh, it's okay. We're going to be talking about storytelling a little bit later in the year. And so, you know, I'm just trying to get a gauge on how people are telling stories. And that was very helpful to hear your perspective on how you share stories of how other people have used your services in the past. And, and as you were explaining it to me, it got me thinking about companies that I know that have issues with those particular things that you were mentioning. So that was a helpful story. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and just as one, one aside too, is uh, hopefully the way you're explaining it is somewhat entertaining. You know, yes. again, if you inject yes. a little humor or, uh-huh. uh, like that, pe- people tend to like that because definitely, you know, I, I don't know if it's true that people say like everyone's got like a 30 second, uh, time span of attention. I actually have a book that's that I keep referring to of making your point in 30 seconds or less. Okay. <laughs> that's a great book. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a judgment. We have one client that we we know we've said too much when his eyes sort of glaze <laughs> over. It's, you know, some people can hide it, but his, he doesn't. And you can tell he's gone. <laughs> so you know, that we is... try to be conscious of not talking too, too much. Yes, absolutely. And that that's one of the reasons I love to do video chats now over phone calls because mm-hmm. you can't see the other person on the other line. They could be rolling their eyes at you, so bored, right? disengaged. But when there is video involved and you can see each other, it's a lot more like a real conversation would be in real life. Right, you engage right. people's yeah. you know, perspectives. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of relationship building, that reminds me that we do. We are fortunate to be in the middle of Midtown Manhattan here. I always joke around that I would like to have all my clients within a three-block radius, which would be very, very possible. And most of our clients, although they may be global in, in where their offices are, that they do have headquarters in, in, in Manhattan. So my point is that that enables us to have face-to-face meetings periodically. You know, not all the time, but at least quarterly. Sure, and, yeah. And so we do, we do have that... Um, ability to actually spend some time with the clients. And I think that's video is nice, but face-to-face is face, Oh, face-to-face is the ultimate. Right. right. <laughs> like we're doing now. That's right. Like we're doing now. Jane is in here with me in the, well, obviously, cause she's down the hall. So it would have been really sad if we would have done this over phone. Very sad. <laughs> Wouldn't work out the same. No, not at all. Now you mentioned a book called making your point in 30 seconds or less. Do you have any favorite sales or business growth type of books? Well, I thought about that too. Um, I definitely like that book. Okay. Uh, it, I'm going to throw that in the show notes. It's and- a very, I'll, I'll get it for you and, and show you the author. And okay. It's, uh, it, it's, it's very, very good. Um, there's another book. I, I, I would like to say in general, I think books about being successful and how to do business and all of that there are too many of them. Mm. I mean, it's just like totally overwhelming. It's true. You could never read them all and then you read one and it sort of contradicts the other. So in general, I'm a little bit, um, try not to read every new thing that comes out, which is totally different than when I first started my business. I mean, I went to every seminar, I went to every, read every book, I yeah. looked yeah. at all the tips. But now, I, since I've, I've, a lot of my ability to do things is now between my ears because okay. of the experience. Okay. But, um, but yes, that's a good book. I, I also came to mind the uh, Real Life MBA by Jack Welch and oh, great. Uh, Susie Jack Welch. And he was the CEO of GE mm-hmm. when it was still flying high. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that was a good one, too. There are a few books that I used to, I used to um, 
we well, I read and I actually hired a consultant that practiced a, a, a discipline, I guess you would call it, called the E myth, like the letter E ah, myth. It's that's sitting right over there. Right. So I, we I, love I, that one. I, I like it too, but I I concluded that it works better in some types of businesses sure, than others. Absolutely, I because agree it, with you. what the the premise behind that is that you should systematize mm-hmm, your business, mm-hmm. and uh, since our business tends to be somewhat customized depending mm-hmm. on the client. It didn't, it didn't really work well, but I, I, sure. I, I practiced that religion for a few years. <laughs> there are some and, systems uh, that you can put in place and can follow, but you're right. When you're consulting, there are some things that are going to be different right. with every engagement. Right. There's another book I just read. It was one of Bill Gates' favorites. So I figured, well, he must know something, Okay. <laughs> but it was called Measure What Matters. Okay. But I, and so I imagine that's good, but I started reading it and it kind of <laughs> lost me. It had a lot of I can't even remember the acronym, but this is another pet peeve I have is when I see things that are like initials, like KPI for key performance indicators. I mean, I just hate stuff like that. It is kind of, it kind of takes the, the flavor out of a business for me anyway. Okay. And so uh, sometimes I'm kind of skeptical if there are too many, too many even, acronyms. Yeah. Acronyms are just three, three initials that mean something, which then sometimes you ask someone, what, well, what does that mean? They can't even remember. <laughs> so, and in, in my business of technology, there are millions of acronyms and mm-hmm. strings of initials and things like that. But, uh, but anyway, so those are my comments on, on a few books. Okay. And, yeah, that's uh, helpful. Yeah, I enjoy reading. I mean, I love to read, but sometimes on the weekend, I don't want to think about business, so I might read sure. fiction yeah. instead or, or nonfiction, but not a business book. What kind of nonfiction do you like? Um, well, a variety. I love biographies. Okay. Um, and uh, I like to have a patio garden, so I might read a little book on gardening or yeah, very, very eclectic interests, I guess. So, very or cool. just something that will gets my interest. Great. And, um, yeah. So, I like to read as it. well. So, I'm always curious about what people are reading. And you're absolutely right about the overwhelming amount of business books out there. Uh, I learned recently that 39, approximately 39,000 business books come out every year. So there's definitely a flooded <laughs> can't market. Read them all. <laughs> you can't read them all. There are some that are better, better than others. And I think, you know, I do think that books can help with foundations and they can help us with breakthroughs as well. I read a book recently, actually, uh, Brian Robinson was on the podcast. He wrote a book called The Selling Formula. And he wrote about a lot of things that, you know, you learn and you know mm-hmm. as you're in sales. But it was such a great reminder of some of these things. And he had new perspectives that I hadn't thought about before. And I've mentioned this multiple times that he had this pre-call ritual that I really liked. And I had never read that in a business book before that I remember or that right. I can recall. You got some new ideas. So it was just cool to see that it was something that I've, I practice, but it's not something that I had read someone else right, practicing. Right. So it's, you know, there's, there are things, but I, I hear you that the I more you that read, one up. <laughs> <laughs> the more you read, the more, you know, you're like, oh, this is great. I know what I'm doing now though. And I don't need any more confusion. <laughs> right. If they're general, you know, I mean, there are sure. specific things that you can learn. You can learn how to use a new software program or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, those things you need, but mm-hmm. absolutely. Just, uh, yeah. absolutely. So. Now, you know, Jane, that here at CFS, we talk quite a bit about sales playbooks and we're always looking for useful tips that sales managers and CEOs and salespeople can share in their playbooks. What is one actionable tip that our listeners might consider adding to their playbook? Wow. One actionable, actionable tip. 
I, th I saw that one, but I didn't come up with anything in terms of when I was <laughs> kind of preparing to, for our conversation here. But um, it, I, I would I would go back to the concept, unless you've already got it in there, of prioritizing and maybe just in, yeah, instead of even three things a day, because sometimes that's too much and things always take longer than you thought they would, <laughs> sometimes a lot longer. So I, I would say, and I, I try to do this myself, is what's the most important thing to do today that either has to be done or, um, yeah, or that's important for, for your business because there are always immediate things, but then there are longer term planning things. I'll also mention I'd forgotten about this and I, although I don't practice it totally, there is, um, and I, I would say this is, and I hadn't thought about it, but my favorite business book is probably getting things done by uh, David Allen. Uh, yes. And I've one. gotten so many good thoughts from that. Again, I don't put them all into practice, but, um, He's got things like if something can be done in under two minutes, just do it now and, you know, different ways of categorizing things. I've also got my outlook set up um, based upon an approach that his, well, it, it based upon something I learned from one of his books about how to set up your outlook to track tasks. And it's very, very effective. But Great. like anything else, you've got to work it. You know, you yep. can't put something together and then look at it. Every three months, you know, it's got to be ongoing engagement. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so those are just a couple of Those are great thoughts. tips, some planning and getting things done. I like that. I added it to the list. So for our listeners, make sure to jump to the show notes. You can find them at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 135. And we have a couple of those book recommendations in there, along with some other things that we'll be recommending for planning and building relationships. But Jane, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, this thank you awesome. for inviting me, Rebecca. I, I always enjoy your company, and I oh, certainly enjoyed you. it today. And um, <laughs> I hope that some of the things that I've said will prove useful to your listeners. And uh, fantastic! again, thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Okay. And thank you so much to our audience for listening to today's show. Again, you can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 135. Tune in on Friday for an inspirational quote narrated by Laura, and be sure to tune in on Monday for a special training episode on self-awareness. And that was with Elizabeth and Ariana. They've got some awesome training material for you guys to focus on self-awareness and improve in the area of self-awareness. Our goal is to help you and to add value. So please be sure to pass your feedback along at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. All month, we've been writing about self-awareness on the CFS blog, so don't forget to check that out, criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. And next month, we're going to be tran tran transforming, shifting, shifting. We're going to be shifting our focus to hiring. So if you are hiring for roles, whether it's you're hiring a sales manager, you're hiring a salesperson, you're hiring anyone, we have some really great resources and we are putting together a package on hiring for our resource. So you won't want to miss that, but be sure to stay tuned to our conversations on this topic. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling, everyone. <laughs>